since we're getting closer to Purim, share a vote from the Rebbe in a Maimer. It's a Maimer from Purim Cotton. And generally we say there's a chiluk, it's a difference between Hanukkah and Purim. Hanukkah, the Greeks targeted the soul of the Jew and on Purim, Haman targeted the body of the Jew. The Greeks asked the Jews to break Shabbos, forgo Rosh Chodesh, uh, neglect the mitzvah of circumcision, Mila. They wanted Jews to assimilate spiritually. They targeted their souls. They, they, had, they had no interest in killing Jews, massacring Jews, annihilating them. They wanted Jews to become like the Hellenists. Hellenize them. On Purim, uh, Haman did not ask the Jews to forgo anything about their Jewish practices. All he said to Rachashverish, I can't stand the existence of the Jews here physically, and I'd like to annihilate them physically. He targeted their bodies. And that's how Halacha explains why on Hanukkah, the rabbis chose to specify the celebrations, particularly in a spiritual way. Right? Hallelujah, we praise Hashem and we light candles, light. Light represents spirituality. The festivities are not as emphasized on Hanukkah. Purim is the opposite. The main celebration is about physical gifts of food we give to each other and the celebration, the festivities during Purim. And the reason is because on Purim, the danger that we were saved from by a miracle is a physical danger. That's why the festivities is also physical. Whereas on Hanukkah, the danger was a spiritual one. And that's why the celebration is the most spiritual one. But the Alter Rebbe in Torah and the Memorum of Purim says a remarkable thing. Despite all that, even on Purim, the Jews exhibited an incredible, heroic sense of Mesiris Nefesh. It's true that the Haman, that Haman did not request for the Jews to forgo any of their religious practices. He didn't target their spiritual side. He targeted their physical existence. He says, I want to annihilate all the Jews physically. But everyone, every Jew understood that this decree of Haman only included those that were considered by the definition of the Persians as Jewish. But had a Jew, for example, taken the opportunity to convert to the Persian religion, then by the definition of the Persians and by Haman's definition, he wouldn't be considered Jewish, then he would be saved. So the Jews faced the danger of Haman for an entire year or 11 months because the decree was sealed on the Nisan and it was the, the, the date for annihilation was the set for, for other the next year, 11 months later. So the Jews were aware of this threat that because they are Jewish, they're going to be annihilated in 11 months, in a year from now. And not a single Jew, says the Alter Rebbe, entertained the thought, the possibility of saving themselves by converting to the Persian religion and escaping the danger that way. Which shows that even on Purim, it wasn't like in the Nazi era where Hitler just wanted to kill every Jew physically. He didn't care if you convert to any religion. If you're born Jewish, you're Jewish. Haman had a very different take. Although Haman did not say it explicitly, he just wanted to kill the Jews, but we understood from Haman, and every Jew then at the time understood that very well, that if the Jew were to convert to the Persian religion, he would not have been killed. And yet not a single Jew, not a single Jew 
had ever entertained the possibility of trying to escape the danger of Haman during the entire year. Kol HaShona, says the Alter Rebbe, for an entire year, Kol HaShona, there wasn't a single Jew who entertained the possibility of leaving the religion and go to the other side to save themselves. Which shows that there was Mesiris Nefesh, a choice to, to be dedicated to Mesiris Nefesh, even on Purim. Jews did have a choice on Purim. So the Rebbe in a Maimer of Purim Cotton, Lamed Ches, has a beautiful uh, insight into this Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe says the Jews lived under the threat of annihilation, Kolashana, for an entire year, and for that entire year, no one entertained the possibility of converting and escaping the danger. What is the emphasis of the entire year? Why is a year such an important thing to emphasize? It was a year, and what if it was six months or eight months? Year, the concept of a shana. And the Rebbe emphasizes that a shana, the word shana, comes with what shinuyim, changes. Because the cycle of a year comprises of all the possible seasonal changes of a year. Cold and hot, summer and winter and, and spring and fall. But the Alter Rebbe is emphasizing that the type of mysterious nefesh Jews had during the story of Purim was a kind of mysterious nefesh that was so solid, so firmly rooted in their identity, in the very essence of who they were, that no matter what changes transpired around them, it did not phase and not affect their commitment and their devotion to Hashem. And that explains that very often, People who are committed, they show great commitment, great devotion, total sacrifice for something, for a goal, for an ideal. But that's, they'll do this when the circumstances in their lives support this kind of dedication. What if the circumstances in life change and they become much more challenging to that dedication? Then they, you know, they, they falter because it's hard. The, 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 what the Alter Rebbe is emphasizing, Koloshano, through all the changes of a year, which represents and symbolizes not only changes, the seasonal changes, but the whole idea of change. All the uh, circumstantial changes in a person's life, sometimes it's rough, sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's very supportive uh, circumstances. In any particular circumstance, if nothing changed in their lives, in their commitment, regardless of what transpired around them. And the Rebbe explains, how does a person reach such a commitment that no matter what happens in the world, the world can change a million times, but the Jews' commitment and total, absolute devotion to Hashem, till Mesiris Nefesh, does not change whatsoever. And the Rebbe explains, there's a Gemara that says that Esrik, how do we know that on Sukkot we have to use an Esrik to shake, on, on, uh, to use for the holiday? It says in the Torah, pre-eight you should take a beautiful fruit. It doesn't specify and identify which fruit it is. How do we know it's an Esrik? In the Gemara, it says different sources and different um, references in the text. And in general, as the Rambam says, it's a tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu that it means an Esrik. But the Gemara is trying to find in the text some kind of a nuance in the text that points to that particular fruit, the Esrik. It's one of the nuances the Gemara points to. It says, Hadar. Hey, Dalad Reish. Hador can also be read Hador, the one that lives, that resides. 
Hador be'ilonai mishana l'shana. It's a kind of fruit that resides through all the seasons of a year on its tree, the tree from where it grows on. Most fruits are seasonal. They grow through certain seasons of the year. There is one fruit, the esrog, which stays on the tree through the entire cycle of a year, through all different seasons, cold and hot. And not only that, not only that it's not affected by the changing seasons, it actually grows from all these seasons. It develops from these changing seasons. Every single season of the year contributes to the growth and development of that, that esrog. And the Rebbe says, what is the language? Hador be'ilona, he resides in his tree. What is the tree? The tree is the source of life for the esrog. The tree is what we call, spiritually speaking, the Eitzachayim, the, the, the tree of life, which is Hashem. When a Jew is dor be'ilonai, he resides on his tree, he's connected to his roots, to his source. Mishana l'shana, then the changing seasons can be around the year, nothing will face the Jew. In fact, he'll keep growing, not only in spite of the changing seasons, but because of the changing seasons. And the same thing with other circumstantial changes in a person's life. Sometimes there are challenging times in a person's life. Times that challenge the person's commitment to Yiddishkeit. But those challenging times not only don't phase the Jew, on the contrary, the Jew grows from those challenges. Hador bilona mishona l'shona. As long as you're a dor you're attached to Hashem, says the Rebbe, the secret to reach such a level of connection with the divine source, so that no matter what happens around us, we never change. We stay steadfast till Mesiris Nefesh. Is what it says, Kosis Lamoyeda. Friedrich Rebbe, in that famous Mimer, mentions that Kosis, Kosis that you, Hashem says to Moshe, the Jews should bring you olives and you should crush the olives and create oil, Lamoy, to create a source of life, of light. Says the Rebbe, a Jew who feels like his ego is crushed. He doesn't have a desire of his own. Doesn't have his own interest in anything. He's totally bottled to Hashem. He is a Jew He's always connected in his tree, his source of life. And Mishana, no matter the changes, Mishana Lashana, the changes that occur in his life, he grows from each one of them. But his commitment is steadfast. And that was the uniqueness of the Mesir Snefesh of Purim.